much as I can't wait for the season to finally get here and be sitting down on Saturday and watching games, this conference really does need to get its act together off the field as well. And it's got to happen sooner than later because if not, it's just not going to exist. It's not. Uh, I'm Pete Mundo. HeartlandCollegeSports.com is, of course, how you find us each and every week. And uh, this new report over the weekend, it came down on Friday night. It just bothered me. It was a weird Friday news dump, and in many ways it signaled all the concerns that you have and that I have about this conference are completely legitimate and worthy of discussion and worthy of criticism. So you may have seen this over the weekend on the uh, on the website at heartlandcollegesports.com, but Oklahoma and Texas, of course, are leaving for the SEC. So now the question is, what's next? Well, a couple of weeks ago, we learned that Big 12 Commissioner Bob Bowlesby and new Pac-12 Commissioner George Klyovkov were going to meet up, get together, and actually discuss, you know, some type of partnership, maybe a merger between the remaining eight Big 12 schools and the Pac-12, create a 20-team super conference, right? You got the East, you got the West. I mean, it's not a perfect fit, but it would have been at least a response to the SEC, well, I don't know if that was all smoke and mirrors. I don't know if that was all just pleasantries and if that actually had no meaning to it. I don't know. But what I do know is that when we learned on Friday night from The Athletic that the Big Ten, ACC, and Pac-12 are actively engaged in discussions about forming an alliance, I'm sitting there and I'm saying, okay, where's the Big 12 in all this? They're not even on the phone they're not even part of the conversation. They're not even, uh, you know, getting a, a courtesy call out of any of this. None of that is happening for this conference. I mean, that's a that's a bad look. The fact that the other three power conferences, Big Ten, ACC, and Pac-12, felt like they could go at this and they didn't even need the Big 12 conference. I mean, I get it. It's awkward right now in the Big 12 because technically – OU and Texas are in that conference. So you can't really do something like this and have the Big 12 be part of it when two of the Big 12 teams who are still represented by that conference uh, haven't left it yet, and you're forming this alliance to respond to what the two Blue Bloods in the Big 12 have done. So I get the awkwardness that surrounds this entire thing here. I, I genuinely do. But it just doesn't seem uh, right and it certainly isn't optimistic for the Big 12 that they were not part of these discussions, even if, even if that was a concern by those three conferences, and it's a legitimate one. The fact that they weren't on any type of call has got to be concerning. It is. So here's what we know right now. That alliance is not necessarily about forming some super conference of 40 teams, right? Like, that's, that's not the goal here. But what it is about and what it could be about is making sure that those three conferences are on the same page when it comes to things like expanding the college football playoff, which was expected to get done in the next uh, few weeks and possibly be implemented to go from four teams to 12 teams as soon as next year or 2023. That may now be getting slow played because there's a lot of concern that this is just going to become basically a tournament for the SEC. 
and that's a legitimate concern to have. So these other conferences, the Pac-12, Big Ten, ACC, they may try to slow play that and make sure it doesn't happen as quickly as some people wanted to. I wouldn't blame them for that one bit. In fact, uh, that's what they should be doing to push back on the SEC in a big way. So we'll see how exactly that plays out and what that means, but uh, it's going to play a big role in the future of college football and what is next for the sport. And that's why the Big 12's got to be aggressive here. You know, they got to call CBS. That's what they have to do. They got to call CBS. They've got to, you know, see if NBC Sports Network wants to get in the mix. Right now, they just have Notre Dame. Uh, you have NBC. You have NBC Sports Network. You build a Big 12, not a Big 12 network, but you build a TV package for the Big 12 around that because we know the relationship with ESPN is likely shot with the cease and desist letters and the accusations and everything else. And then you try to poach some legitimate schools. And that's what this conference should be looking to do, not today, but yesterday. That's what it should be looking to do at this moment in time, no ifs, ands, or buts. And maybe it's happening behind the scenes. Maybe it is part of the conversations. But it's time for Bob Bowlesby to not just wage war against ESPN. I was very complimentary of Bob Bowlesby waging war against ESPN. It's about time somebody does it. You know, They're not as strong and powerful as people think that they are. Everyone's afraid of them like it's 1995. It's not 1995. It's 2021. They're a severely diminished operation and should be treated as such. And uh, it's time that the Big 12, and I hope that Bob Bowlesby does begin to realize that from start to finish. So we'll see what it means. We'll see how it plays out. But uh, that was certainly a report that I saw over the weekend that concerned me in a major way. And and we'll see if it means anything big picture. But that's why it's important that this league solidifies itself and makes some noise here off the field in the near future and saying, hey, here's who we're adding. Here's who we're going after. Here's what's going on with us. And just go all out, balls to the wall, and just live it and love it and run with it. That's what this league has got to be doing and doing it right now. All right, so I had to start there off the field just because it really didn't get the attention that I thought it should. And maybe it's like August, summer weekend, calm before the storm. People are on vacations, but I'm like, geez, this is a big deal, a really big deal. Now, speaking of big deals, the AP preseason poll came out and three Big 12 teams um, were ranked. OU at two, Iowa State seven. Texas at 21. Uh, So just missing, by the way, just missing the top 25 was Oklahoma State. They came in at 26th, and TCU came in at 28th. So they were the third team out. So the two Big 12 teams right on the outside looking into the top 25. Now, I put this up on Twitter. You can find us on Twitter at Heartland underscore CS. And I put a poll. It was a very simple poll. It just read as follows. Say, uh, of the teams not ranked in the Big 12... Which one of these teams do you think is going to end up with the highest ranking? You know, it's, it's just a fun Twitter poll. It's not scientific. And the options that I gave were as follows. The options that we put forth for this Twitter poll included TCU, Oklahoma State, Kansas State, West Virginia. Out of the hundreds of you that voted, 47% said Oklahoma State, 22% said TCU, 16% said Kansas State, 14% said West Virginia. Now, I would roll with TCU out of these four teams, 
of which unranked Big 12 team will finish with the highest ranking. I, I am buying into what TCU is putting together, and I know it's been three years of mediocrity, and, and at least last year, two years ago, I thought TCU could bounce back. Last year, I thought they'd be a solid team, and I mean, depending on your definition of solid, they just they weren't. They certainly were not the team that I expected. Now, they lost some super close games, arguably games they should not have lost, but either way, I mean, the results are the results. But of those four teams, Oklahoma State, TCU, K-State, West Virginia, the one that I believe is uh, the most likely to end up with the highest ranking at the end of the season is TCU. They can be a top 15 team when all is said and done. They can. I mean, the Big 12 could find itself in a situation with three teams in the top 15, Oklahoma, Iowa State, and TCU. That would not be shocking to me for a second. If OU and Iowa State are 8-1, and one, let's say, in conference play, or maybe OU's 9-0, Iowa State's 8-1, and one, and TCU's 7-2 and two with their two losses to Oklahoma, Iowa State, that wouldn't shock me for, for a second. And that would be worthy of a top 15 ranking come the end of the year. And, and no one should question it either because that's how, that's how good I believe this team can be. And the fact that they've got finally a quarterback returning, feeling good about Max Duggan. He's got a year in that jury kill offense after last year, the disaster of the offseason, COVID, no spring practice, just a mess all over the place. Although TCU had the most spring practices of anybody last year because uh, they started early, as I recall. So they had like three spring practices before COVID shut everything down. But anyway, uh, Texas coming in at 21. I just, listen, Hudson Card, I'm hearing a lot of hype about Hudson Card. And I thought Casey Thompson was going to be the front runner in this race, in the Texas quarterback battle. But I'm hearing a lot of hype around Hudson Card. So it would not shock me if he starts the season as the starter. And maybe he's the next great thing at quarterback. Maybe he's better than Sam Ellinger. Maybe he's going back to the days of Vince Young and Colt McCoy back-to-back. Maybe that's finally where Texas is with Steve Sarkeesian's offense and Bijan Robinson in the backfield. Maybe this is it. Seriously, maybe this is it. It could be. But I can't sit here with a straight face. With the turnover on that team, with not knowing who your starting quarterback is, despite all the talent in the world, I can't sit here and tell you that's the 21st team in the country. And this isn't me being bitter about Texas. Like, I, if you've listened to this show for a period of time, and I know we have a lot of new listeners that have come in on the podcast in particular, um, they've come in, and you probably haven't heard me say this. Some of you had, you're going to start rolling your eyes. But I want Texas to be a competitor. I want them to be good, like really good. It's good for the Big 12. Now, now it doesn't matter because they're leaving, but I've always said it's good for the Big 12 when Texas is a top 10 team. It's good for the branding of the conference. But I I can't right now in good faith say this team is going to finish higher than TCU or Oklahoma State. I, I can't. I think Oklahoma State's got a better defense. And they've at least got the quarterback situation figured out. Sure, I want to see more from Spencer Sanders, but at least they've got it figured out. Same with TCU. Better defense, and at least as of right now, a more experienced and better quarterback. So, you know, is that overrated Texas? You be the judge. I think it is. But uh, Texas came in at 21. But, hey, two in the top seven. Oklahoma at two. Iowa State at seven. All right? And for once in his life, uh, Paul Feinbaum got something right. 
Okay, Paul Feinbaum at ESPN. Actually, yes, he, he made sense. I can't tell you when that happened last, but he basically came out and said, he said, hey, you know what? If not Alabama, this is going to be the year that Oklahoma wins the natty, that Oklahoma wins the national championship. And, uh, you know, we've all been saying it here in this part of the world that this is not uh, the Oklahoma of the last five years. This team has a defense. It has depth. It, yes, has the offense, which it's had under Lincoln Riley. Spencer Rattler is the Heisman favorite. He's got the freshman year under his belt, and he's got all the weapons he needs, just like Baker Mayfield and Kyler Murray had, right? Just like those guys had. But the difference is the defense. And if you listen to this show, you know that. If you follow the Big 12, you know that. But I'm telling you, I see guys in media, in the Pac-12, Big 10, and SEC, ACC, what do they all say? Uh, yeah, yeah, sure, sure. Heisman Trophy, Spencer Rattler, Lincoln Riley can't play defense. They are not paying attention. You know that. I know that. The voters starting to figure out that. And even Paul Feinbaum figures that out. And when the dense Paul Feinbaum figures something out, it's, uh, it's worth paying attention to. All right? It's worth paying attention to. So the AP poll comes out, Alabama at 1.00. OU 2, Clemson 3, Ohio State 4, Georgia 5, Texas A&M 6, Iowa State at 7. And rounding out the top 10, Cincinnati, Notre Dame, and North Carolina. So that came down this week. What also came down, a report that ESPN is not going to be in Ames in Week 2 for Cyhawk. And it would have been a heck of a game, a heck of a moment to have Cyhawk hosting college game day. Iowa State 7, Iowa's in the preseason poll ranked 18, top 20 matchup, all the Iowa corn available to you, it would have been outstanding. But a report came down this week from Bill Wagner at the Capitol Gazette that he's heard from several sources that ESPN will bring its popular college game day show, this is on Twitter, to Annapolis for Navy Air Force which is being played on the 20th anniversary of September 11th. I can't hate on that. I'm sorry. I can't go anti-ESPN on you there. I, I just can't do it. Okay? I totally understand and support if that's the route ESPN wants to take its show on the 20th anniversary, the day of 9-11, not the week of, the day of September 11th, the 20th anniversary of that horrific day, and as someone that grew up as the crow flies 20 miles outside of Manhattan and had my father in the city that day, I cannot in good faith. And I love, you guys know this, there's nobody I love mocking more and ripping more than ESPN. But if they're going to do it right, and that's a big if, I admit it, that's a big if, but if they're going to do it right and they want to actually do college game day um, – with two academy schools, Navy, Air Force, 20th anniversary, 9-11, I, I can't say you should be at Cyhawk. I just can't. I mean, it stinks that Cyhawk is on September 11th and the 20th anniversary and everything that comes with that because if it was week one, well, week one they're doing Georgia Clemson, so they wouldn't have gotten week one either. Maybe week three, I don't know, although week three is Oklahoma-Nebraska, which is a bad game but obviously has a lot of history to it. And with OU and the SEC – it's entirely possible that's the route that they go. But I, it's just luck of the draw. It's bad luck. I'm sorry, Iowa State fans. It would have been great to have game day back in Ames. But are we really going to sit here and say, you should be in Ames over you know, 
honoring the 20th anniversary of 9-11 because if they didn't do that, right, you would have had to do something around 9-11 that day. And what are you going to do it from Ames and then drop in on Navy Air Force and be like, yeah, we've got a satellite crew at Navy Air Force. Like, go to Navy Air Force. I'm not going to rag on you. I'm not. I don't think most reasonable people are going to rag on you for that. It's just, you know, it is what it is. So that's some news that came down. It's not it's not totally confirmed, but it's a solid report that came out from a legitimate reporter that is definitely um, worth taking some credence in. But ESPN has not announced it yet, but they usually don't until, you know, the week uh, the week of the game is when that usually gets announced. So we'll see how it plays out, but I just cannot hate on that uh, right now. Can't do it. Can't do it. All right. Our 2021 Big 12 football quarterback rankings came out this week. It was put together by our own Derek Duke. So he puts this together every year as we get ready for the season. And here is his list of Big 12 quarterbacks, top to bottom, 1 through 10. Spencer Rattler, Oklahoma. Iowa State's Brock Purdy. TCU's Max Duggan. Oklahoma State's Spencer Sanders. Uh, Texas quarterbacks, Casey Thompson or Hudson Card, K-State's Skylar Thompson, West Virginia's Jarrett Dagey, Texas Tech's Tyler Shuck, Baylor quarterbacks, and Kansas quarterbacks, since they don't have a starter yet. So I don't have a lot of beef, but I do think spend, uh, I do think Skylar uh, Thompson is too low on this list at a Kansas State. Now, I know that Thompson's getting banged up, ups and downs throughout his career, but this is a guy who changed his approach and has loved playing for Chris Kleiman. And if not for an injury last year, who knows? Like, you could make a case for Skylar Thompson to be third on this list. I don't think he's third on this list, uh, but I certainly believe that he's above the Texas quarterbacks because the Texas quarterbacks haven't done anything. I mean, yes, there's a lot of hype. They're each four- and five-star guys. I get it. Solid arm, can throw the ball, but I... I mean, Skylar Thompson has more experience in his pinky than Thompson or Card have in their careers. So I would put Thompson as high as four on this list, and I believe you could make a case that he's three on this list. In fact, now that I'm thinking about it, I'd put him three. I'd put him ahead of Max Duggan. I think Duggan's got great potential as well. But he hasn't put it together. And and Thompson's a guy who, when you actually look at it, uh, and you go back to, like, 2019, gutsy runs, 11 rushing scores. Uh, you can't deny that toughness. But the stats are also just better for Skylar Thompson for his career. And he's completing 60% of his passes, uh, 5,000 yards, 30 touchdowns to 12 interceptions passing. And rushing, he's got 22 touchdowns. All right? Now, you look at Max Duggan, he's completed 56% of his passes, 56.5%, 25 touchdowns to 14 interceptions. Once again, Thompson's 30 to 12. And then he's got uh, 16 rushing touchdowns. So Thompson's got the experience, better completion percentage, uh, better touchdown to interception ratio, and also more yards per completed pass, 7.7 compared to Duggan, 6.7. So I would put Thompson third on this list. And and uh, you might want to say that's a drop-off from Brock Purdy at two, but I, I, that's where I would put him. I do think the ceiling is higher for Max Duggan. I do believe the ceiling is higher for Spencer Sanders. But if you're telling me today, and of course the ceiling's higher for Casey Thompson and Hudson Card, 
But you're telling me today I want to I got to win a game on Saturday. All right? I got to win a game on Saturday in the Big 12. Who am I taking? I'm taking Rattler. I'm taking Purdy. And then I'm taking Thompson. But it goes to show you the editorial confidence I have in our guys, in Derek Duke, in the rest of the staff, where I put up stories as the owner of the website that I don't agree with. And I let them run because I'm just that kind of guy. All right? So <laughs> you guys have a, a great week. We got some good stuff coming here. The season is right around the corner. I, I just can't wait. You start to get those butterflies as we approach the season, and we appreciate you guys joining us here on HeartlandCollegeSports.com. Before you head out, leave a quick rating and review. We've got a free koozie for you, a Heartland College Sports koozie. When you leave that rating and review, and send me a screenshot of your rating and review to Pete Mundo, M-U-N-D-O, at HeartlandCollegeSports.com. That's how we continue to beat all the big shots and the Big 12 uh, podcast rankings on iTunes. We got 470 ratings. Can you help us get the 500 by the kickoff of the season on September 4th? Just hit that five star. It would mean the world to me. I appreciate you guys. Have a great week, and we'll talk to you soon on heartlandcollegesports.com.